0: welcome in it is the holy grail bcj podcast right here on bearcatjournal.com i'm chad Brendel. he's dave simone and once again we have a very esteemed guest although you've got a tough act to follow mr dan horde as your broadcast partner jim kelly lit the show on fire last
1: week (laughs) i listened he was great no surprise I love Jim Kelly. You love Jim Kelly. Your audience loves Jim Kelly. It was fantastic.
0: It was. uh, The more we can do to take the light off of me and Dave and shine it on someone else, the better this podcast is every week.
1: Well, who knows more about UC football history than Jim Kelly? His dad was the first wide receiver in school history to have a 100-yard receiving performance. He led the team in receptions three years in a row. This is year 31 as a broadcaster, so you made an excellent choice.
0: And and we are honored to have you on as well. You have become, over the years, the voice of the Bearcats. Started at uh, Fox 19, with uh, the Bearcat Bounce, something that we use to this day here on uh, on BearcatJournal.com. You were part of those days, and then became the uh, the voice of the Bearcats over the years. We we've had a podcast where we've done the history of Dan Horde, and you see, I think let's uh, let's let's keep the focus on what could be a special season right now and and dan you have been to many many seasons of uh camp higher ground does this feel different when you're out there does this look different to you when you're watching this team
1: it does i i'm not sure that i ever thought that they would have more talent than they did no 08, 08 no nine but this team is ridiculous And it's obvious by the number of NFL scouts we see at practice every time we're out there, it was double digits for at least one practice that I attended. And you just go up and down that roster and, oh, he's a pro, he's a pro, he's a pro, he's a pro. It's amazing. And uh, I can't wait for the opening game against Miami.
0: I'm going to ask you this because it's been brought up a couple times on the message board and I'm interested to see how close your answer is to mine. There's a lot of talk about the defense with Marcus Freeman leaving. Would, would they skip a beat with Mike Trestle at the helm? The offense has had a good deal. Now there have been days where the defense has been ridiculous. You were there. Uh, what was it? Monday where the, it almost felt like you couldn't get a pass off mm-hmm. uh, because the pass rush was so ridiculous that that entire practice, but. What is your take on the success that the offense has had uh, throughout we are on day 14 of camp higher ground?
1: That's the biggest story of training camp. So I'm glad that that's what you started with, because in spring football, the offense struggled, including the first team offense. So when Desmond Ritter doesn't look great and we all know how good he is, you can only attribute that to one thing how good the defense is. So the fact that the offense is having any success at all at training camp, and they are including Evan Prater at times, that's really encouraging to me that those guys have come a long way because we know the defense hasn't gotten worse. I don't care whether Marcus Freeman is here or not. Um, Luke fickle is ultimately in charge of the defense. The talent level is off the charts So the fact that the offense is having enough successful moments at the practices I've attended uh, leads me to believe that the offense is going to be just fine. Dave?
2: All the focus, or not all the focus, but a lot of the focus, rightfully so, on Des Ritter coming into this season, had the opportunity to go pro, decided to come back, has the opportunity, depending on the number of games, uh, I think to be in the top five winningest quarterbacks in the history of college football. Where have you seen his growth the most from maybe end of season to now?
1: I think the accuracy looks better to me. And I think that's always been the the question mark with Des. His arm is strong enough. He's incredibly mobile. We know all of that, but he went to work with Jordan Palmer. I think specifically, on trying to find ways to be more accurate. And I've seen some evidence of that. Is he ever going to be Drew Brees? Probably not. Uh, But even just a slight uptick in accuracy uh, will make him one of the best quarterbacks in the country. I think he's already on the short list. The fact that he's led Cincinnati to 31 wins in the games that he's played in is incredible. So if that is improved, look out, because there's not much more that he can improve at this point.
2: And it's funny because you covering the Bengals, me being a big Bengal fan, into the draft, you always hear a lot about guys are either accurate or they're not. And one guy in particular, and I'm not comparing him to Dez, but Josh Allen for the Bills, I did not think he was going to have a good NFL career because of how inaccurate he was. And he was even less accurate than Dez at Wyoming. And this last year, he just took a monumental leap so while it's harder to do, it's definitely not what I think it was thought of as maybe even five years ago. So if he can improve that accuracy, um, like he's got every other tool that I think teams want. They just want to see, you know, better touch on the deep ball and just overall improvement in accuracy. So it is kind of interesting that, you know, he knows what the, that area is and he's already focusing on that kind of looking to that next level and if he can make that even an incremental jump this year teams will see that it's there and maybe with even more coaching and it being your full-time real guy job that they can even get it to a higher level which would probably put him well into the first round
1: and what do Josh Allen and Desmond Ritter have in common Jordan Palmer that's who Josh Allen has worked with for the past several years in the off season. He attributes a lot of his improvement in that area to the work that he's done with Jordan Palmer. And I'm sure some of the things that uh, he worked on with, with Jordan Palmer are the same things that Desmond Ritter has worked on with Jordan Palmer. So I, I don't think there's any question he's going to be more accurate. And when you ask Des, you know, what would you like to improve on this season? The the stat that he always brings up is completion percentage. And there are ways to do that without being the most accurate thrower in college football. You can have a lot of screens and dump offs and things like that. And that artificially builds up your completion percentage. But that doesn't really describe the Cincinnati offense. They're not suddenly going to become a team that runs a million bubble screens to get their quarterbacks completion percentage close to 70 Mike Denbrock's going to look to throw the ball down the field and uh and I think Dez is going to be even more accurate than than he's been in the past
0: 70 percent that magic number for him
1: that's the goal uh I I don't see him hitting 70 but I think he can get into the high 60s and and that's plenty good enough especially when you add in his ability as a runner
2: well I I think you definitely too look at yards per attempt And if that number is going up and his completion percentage is going up even a little bit, then that correlates to much better accuracy because you're taking more chances down the field, but yet still increasing your completion percentage.
1: And more targets that are going to be open downfield. That helps as well. So with the emergence of some of the wide receivers that we are seeing at camp, uh, I think there's a very realistic possibility that some of those deep balls that were incomplete, partly because of the throw, but also because of the person they were being thrown to, have a much better chance of being uh, deep ball completions.
0: I think that's one thing that's that's jumped out to me about this, this team so far in camp, Dan. We know that they've got a really, really good boundary receiver in Alec Pierce. We know historically they've been very good in the slot. They've had good tight ends to throw to. It feels like to me, the field wide receiver position, the outside wide receiver to the field side has been kind of the weakness, the bugaboo for this program um, since they had that massive haul of uh, Mikhail McKay and, and Johnny Helton and Chris Moore and yeah. Shaq Washington and you know the, the, uh, the Alex Chisholm and, and – uh, there's one more max Morrison.
1: Nice. It's a pretty good pull off the top of your head right there. Got all six
0: (laughs) where they've struggled is they haven't had a great threat at field wide receiver. We've seen an excellent battle this camp. I think between, um, Tyler Scott, Jaden Thompson has kind of had a a resurgence in this camp. Blue Smith has, has shown to be an adequate outside kind of possession type guy. And all of a sudden, I think, at least to me watching them, it feels like that's the difference is that half of the field and that's the wide side of the field is no longer a black hole. It feels like they can they can make big plays from that spot.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I just think the depth in general now yeah. of wide receiver because, you know, Alec Pierce goes down last year and now you've lost your best wide receiving threat overall if something happens to him this year and hopefully it doesn't, uh, but you just have so many guys, you name several, then you take Michael Young, then you take Trey Tucker, uh, Will Pauling, um, it's, Jordan it's just, Jones. Absolutely. I, I mean, it's a shame that I keep forgetting about him. I, <laughs> for times at practice that I look up and, and I see number five and I'm like, wait a second, he's really good. <laughs> and right now he's not at the top of the totem pole, but he's a good player. So There are a lot of uh, players that can contribute, and I'm sure they're going to rotate a bunch of them in, hopefully because they've got big leads, but also just in general, the the ability to keep a receiving core fresh is such a big advantage.
0: Over the years, I have uh, now anointed you because of all the time you spent with Dave Lapham. I have now anointed you an offensive line guru. Uh, Because you are the voice of the Bearcats, you get VIP access to areas of the field the cause doesn't let us, uh, he's shocked. We, we have to wear shock collars. He shocks us. If we try to get to the places that you're allowed, <laughs> what it is a nice seeing... perk? I admit it. <laughs> what are you seeing from this offensive line and how hard is it to judge this offensive line being tasked with stopping the, that defensive line every day in practice?
1: It's a real issue. Um, and I'm having a hard time getting a firm grasp on how good the offensive line is for that reason i think john williams is going to be a really good college left tackle but he's a redshirt freshman and he's blocking monsters or trying to block monsters on a regular basis nobody's going to look good if they are matched up against my jay sanders at practice for a bunch of snaps nobody i mean I, i may be the best Left tackle at Ohio State or Alabama. But beyond- James Hudson
0: held his own and he was a high round NFL draft yeah. choice. And my J still got him plenty.
1: Right. And that was my J last year. Yeah. And my J's better now. Right. My J's better now. So it's hard for me to get a grasp on how good the O-line is. I think it's fair to say that's the biggest question mark on this team. With Jake Renfro missing some time at camp, that's complicated things because They've been moving McConnell inside, sometimes the center and trying Gerhardt and, you know, trying to figure out what the best guys will ultimately be if somebody has to miss a game at any of the positions. So you wind up doing a little bit of musical chairs. I think the five guys that are projected to be the starters are going to be a good group. Um, I think they have a sub at tackle and a sub at guard that are fine when you get, below that i have some question marks for how strong they'll be but i do think that that the five guys that we expect to be healthy and and lining up in week one are going to be pretty good
2: who are a couple guys that maybe i don't want to say off the radar but you that you have caught your eye that we should look forward to maybe have a bigger impact this year than they had last year or maybe they're have had an impact at all, and that you think can can make some plays this year.
1: You know, it's it's interesting because my under-the-radar guys, I think, are really good players. And I just don't know how much playing time that they will get unless the games are lopsided. I think Jaheen Thomas has come along by, you know, leaps and bounds for how he looked a year ago. I mean, last year he looked like a guy with a good physique. Now he looks like a guy who's going to be an outstanding college football player. I think Deshaun Pace is in the same category. Those would be the two guys that immediately come to mind for me. Uh, Evan Prater looks so much better than he did in spring football. Not that he's, you know, really under the radar. He's Mr. Football in the state of Ohio two years ago. But in the spring, honestly, I thought he looked pretty, pretty shaky. And it's really due to the offense and due to the fact that he didn't get many snaps last year, being the third guy on the quarterback totem pole. But now he looks pretty good. I think he's going to be a very capable replacement for Des down the road, assuming that you know he winds up winning the job next year, uh, which I think is is likely. So just off the top of my head, those are the first three guys that come to mind. But it's a pretty long list. And again, unfortunately, some of these guys are just a little bit buried right now because of how good the guys ahead of them are. Would Dave you, was really hoping you'd say Will Paul. Well, I was going to
2: ask if you'd like to jump on and be like a co-founding member of the Will Pauling for Heisman yeah. Walt, the <laughs> Ring of Honor fan club. I'm, I'm currently the CEO and president and accepting all applications right now.
1: Yeah, Heisman might be a bit of a leap, but... Uh, <laughs> I did, I did mention his name when I was running down the, uh, you know, the depth at wide receiver, and, and certainly he's a guy that's made a lot of big plays. Uh, every day that I've been out there, he makes one, at least one or two big plays. So, yeah, Will Pauling is definitely uh, a name who's kind of come out of nowhere. I guess since he scored the game-winning touchdown in the spring game, that was the first time I kind of really circled him on my training camp roster, and now at Camp Higher Ground, he's a guy that is making plays uh, every time you go out there.
2: it kind of shows just in the last two years where that wide receiver room has gone. If he was doing this now, two years ago, he'd probably be a starter or right there getting reps with starters. And now he's been impressive at every practice I've been to. And that's not as many as you guys, but like, there's a chance he's, I mean, they're going to find a way to get him on the field, but there's just so many, especially in the slot, He's number three just, in the slot. There's just right. not a lot of footballs to, to go his way. So you yeah. know, how much is he really going to play if they're, they're, you know, with so many guys now?
1: Correct. Correct. I mean, who do you take off? I mean, you, you hate to take Trey Tucker off the field or, or Michael Young if he's in the slot. Um, I I do think that he's going to wind up being a con- – contributor in some way shape or form but i just don't see him getting a ton of snaps except for when games become lopsided and hopefully that's the case almost every week
0: back to evan prater real quick um i was worried coming out of the spring i, I think you were too i know justin and i williams and i talked about it today uh with uh, espn had a writer there today that's that's doing a feature on uc coming out of spring i was i was worried about the progress of Evan Prater and, and whether he was ready to be Des Ritter's backup in such an important year. And I would say now, and I said this last week with Jim, I think he's farther ahead entering his redshirt freshman year than Desmond Ritter was. Cause I know we were all pretty worried about Des. If Des had to go into the game um, going into that season, it turned out to work out pretty well, but your thoughts on just how monumental that jump has been from the spring where we all were looking at each other. Many of those practices going, he's, he's, he's got a chance, but he's got a long way to go to watch him at this camp and thinking well, he's, he might, he might not be there, but he at least has, he has the GPS to the neighborhood.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think in the spring, I thought, okay, I can see some of the potential there. But God forbid if Des got hurt during the regular season, I'm not sure how good that's going to go. Now, again, I still say, you know, please God, yes. don't let him get hurt. I, I certainly hope that's not the case. But now I do yes. have, right now I do have a lot more confidence that they would function fine uh, if Evan went into the game. Is he better than Des was as a redshirt freshman? I don't know. I think they're pretty comparable, actually. Tremendous running threat right off the bat. And a guy who's going to be a little bit inconsistent at this stage of his career as a thrower. But when you go to practice now, he is regularly making good throws. Whereas in the spring, it was just a handful of times uh, at practice. Now, Every possession, he's going to make a decent throw, or at least, you know, every few possessions, he's going to make solid throws uh, down the field. And in many cases, deep balls, he's shown the ability to throw a good deep ball at camp higher ground. So I, I guess in the spring, I had a little bit of a question in my mind. Is he going to be as good as we thought? Is he the quarterback? Oh, that issue to me has been resolved. I'm pretty confident that, that he's the guy and is going to be a very a worthy successor to a dez down the road
2: in in your talks with luke since the peach bowl and now in camp and i and i want to kind of combine these since you also do obviously cover the bengals to me camp this year has just i don't know it's taken on a much more i don't want to say nfl feel but like they just seem like it's very, very business oriented and like we know we're damn good and we probably should have went undefeated last year and this is our time to you know prove that to ourselves, prove that to other people, whatever the case may be. Do you get a sense that there's kind of this like, I don't even know the the right word to say, but much you know nfl like more this is a job than in maybe camps past
0: it doesn't look anything like an nfl camp because they hit people (laughs) well that's
1: true (laughs) (laughs) so you cut in and out of me a little bit but i did get the gist of your question I think that's true partly because the team is relatively speaking so old I mean with these super seniors that have come back this is a very mature group so I think because of that it is maybe a little more businesslike or professional than it normally would be but as long as Brady Collins is there uh, you're also going to have that you know that crazy youthful excitement and the element of fun that that Brady and his staff bring into To play, so I think there's more feeling than it normally would be, uh, but there's always still something kind of crazy going on on a regular basis that that has that collegiate, uh, you know, youthful excitement and fun to it as well.
0: How different is that than than all the other staffs you've seen at UC? The ability this staff has to navigate back and forth between business and we understand that these are 18 to 22 year olds and they need to have a little fun uh, in the process as well.
1: It's definitely one of Luke Fickle's strengths. I don't think there's any question about that. I love watching him at practice because, you know, he's very intense. I mean, he is locked in on every snap at practice, but he rarely blows up. And maybe that's because he's got a really good team, but it doesn't happen very often. And then when it does, because it's rare, I mean, it it really gets everybody's attention, including people like us. I mean, when he when the switch flips, you don't you know yeah. you don't want to mess around. You didn't want to have a smile on your face when the, when the <laughs> switch flips. So he 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 has that intent intensity. The guys respect it, Uh, but he also has a unique ability, I think, to connect with everybody, Um, young, old, white, black, different environments. It doesn't matter. He is one of those special people that connects with everybody on the roster, everybody on the coaching staff, even everybody working at Camp Higher Ground. I think it's one of the, the reasons he's so successful. And one of the things, it's a really minor thing, but it always uh, has caught my ear since he's been the head coach. At the end of practice, they gather in a semicircle. I usually kind of try to kind of stand on the periphery and see kind of what the theme was of the day or whatever he has to say. And he always, with no exception, thanks them. For, for their hard work, you know, he'll say, I appreciate you guys. And, and that's, I don't know, maybe that's a minor thing to everybody else, but I'm just not accustomed to head coaches at the college level or the pro level telling his guys after a hard, intense practice that he appreciates it. Is that a big deal? I don't know. Maybe it's not. But to me, that that always catches my ear that he makes the point to let them know every day that he appreciates their hard work.
0: Yesterday is also a perfect example. It's his birthday. You would think on, on the head coach's birthday, he goes, helmets, shoulder pads, leg pads, like lace them up. We're going out there. We're, we're having, you know, a, a two and a half hour practice. We're lifting weights all day. We'll be back out here for a walkthrough at night. Helmets only. There's a spirited practice. The guys clearly responded. Helmets only. No weights in the afternoon. And they canceled meetings at night because they did their, their sketch comedy uh, that we saw. They gave him his birthday present. To me, that's something that for guys that play for you, that goes such a long way when you give them a present on your birthday. Like, I think that means a lot. And that that's, he he's a master at, at like what you just said and, and what we saw yesterday.
1: Yeah, he's got great feel for stuff like that. Great feel for when to push, how hard to push, when to take your foot off the gas pedal, a little bit, because he was a great player uh, at Ohio State. Maybe it's because he's worked for such great coaches in his coaching career and learned from the very best. But his feel for that kind of stuff is as good as anybody I've seen, football, basketball, whatever, in the uh, coaching profession.
2: Not sure how much... time you've had yet to kind of focus on the conference with everything going on but just just your general thoughts on UC versus the rest of the league do you think there's a pretty big gap and or is it tighter with a few teams and then kind of who is your you know if UC is going to go to the conference championship who are maybe a couple teams you think they could possibly face
1: I think UCF is the second most talented team in the league. And I don't think the talent gap is huge. I think they've got a great quarterback, obviously, in Gabriel, although UC has handled him pretty well in the last two years. But I do think going through a coaching change typically pushes you back at least a notch or two in year one. So the talent to me is comparable, but Cincinnati's stability in coaching is going to give them an advantage. Uh, I'm not ruling Tulsa out because they're always underestimated. I think they're going to be better at quarterback. You know, they lost an experienced quarterback who I didn't think was very good. So even though, once again, people are sleeping on them, they're, they're not picked to, to finish near the top. But uh, to me, those are the next two best teams in the league.
0: All right. We're going to let you go. I know you, uh, you are just checking in to your hotel in Washington, DC for the Bengals game tomorrow night. And we give you a great deal of thanks for taking a little time out of your schedule to, uh, to join us before you run downstairs and get some food before everything closes in in this new COVID world. Nothing's open after nine o'clock.
1: Correct. And, uh, I we're staying at a hotel, actually, on the University of Maryland campus. So I'm in College Park, Maryland, as opposed to Washington, D.C., and just driving in here, there didn't seem to be much nearby, although it's a college campus. There must there must be. I'm sure I could it's get late-night late night pizza, pizza place, if I had yeah. to. Uh, oh, but yeah. the hotel restaurant, <laughs> it is bound to be. But, uh, but I'm going to try to to grab something. Uh, at the hotel restaurant here while I can. So, uh, so I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Keep up the great work. I love listening to you guys. When I go for my, uh, my regular runs, you keep me informed when I can't get there. So uh, on behalf of all Bearcat fans, thanks for all you do. It's it's awesome.
0: Thank you. And uh, is Sam old enough to listen to us say bad words now.
1: (laughs) uh i would prefer that you still avoid certain ones (laughs) now it it has amused me over the years that people will say you know gosh darn it and do a sorry dan (laughs) sorry dan really only needs to be reserved for the f-bomb i think (laughs) most of the other stuff Sam and I are not offended by, but, uh, you know, if you can leave that out when he's sitting in the back seat, and we're driving to school. That would be good. How,
2: how old is Sam now?
1: He's huge, Dave. He's huge. Sam, yeah. Sam is a, a five eleven and a half and a half inch, 15 year old, 10th grader. First day wow. of school is today at Walnut Hills. He's grown a foot in the last year. Uh, he has, a, he has a lot more hair than his father. And uh, and he loves his Bearcats.
2: Well, that's great. We're, we're glad he's. We can, you know, we've progressed past the, the UCLA game and, and Dave after dark. So I'm glad to glad glad to hear it.
0: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you'll be back in time for uh, for camp on Saturday. But if not, I will see you back on campus probably next week, sometime for practice. Great, it's great to have you, Dan. Appreciate it, and uh, we will talk to you soon. A, a huge thank you for you for joining us.
1: My pleasure. Anytime. Thanks for having me on.
0: All right, that's the great Dan Horde, the voice of the Bearcats, as he gets ready. You can just go ahead and end. As he gets ready to uh, call the Bengals game tomorrow night on seven hundred WLW, and and that one of the one of the things that surprised me the most in my sixteen years on this beat is that you and Dan Horde are best friends.
2: That's I mean, that's uh, that's awfully nice of you, but that that is a. Uh
1: it is a, a little big, bit of an over exaggeration not exaggeration
2: really. to say the least but but not really it is it is funny you know when
0: at the uh, was it the spring game This sp- every time you guys see each other in the spring there's an hour and a half draft talk of uh, draft he's, talk he's, that he's asking
2: me questions now it's it's like a ro- a role
0: reversal <laughs> and so i imagine so. for you this that's one of the unexpected uh, great perks that have come out of oh, of having this sure. job. It's, the
2: spring game always lines up perfectly with just like two weeks before the draft, so I can try to get you know as much info as I can from from Dan, uh, you know, right before you know the draft happens.
0: And generally, I'll be like Dave, "What'd you learn from the spring game?" And you're like, "I, I was talking to Dan. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't really get to watch much of it." Yeah. <laughs> Which I can I can assure you. Everyone in the fan base would do the same if given the choice of uh charting plays at the spring game or spending 90 minutes talking to Dan or yeah, if I can the talk the football
2: draft. with Dan for an hour and a half or watch the threes run around and not complete passes. And, you know, what, what do you think I'm going to do?
0: And, and, and it's crazy to think back, man, this podcast is, you know, seven, eight years old, something along those lines. Now, the fact that we can we have the ability to just reach out and, and nab Jim Kelly and, and Dan Horde in back-to-back weeks to uh, to talk about what they've seen at Camp Higher Ground is, uh, is pretty damn cool. Like well, it, and, It's pretty damn cool.
2: And you know what, though? I, we, it is awesome, and I think part of the reason, and this isn't just, it's been a UC thing, but like, when you allow us to have the access that they allow us, you're able to develop these relationships where you can ask someone like Dan, like Jim Kelly, like the assistant coaches, like Anthony, like I don't think other podcasts get this type of guests because they don't really get a chance to get to know these guys. Like, yeah. You know, I was. I saw it again the other day. It was like UCF guy was, you know, on on the Twitter, was talking about like what 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 they did in the fifteen minutes that they got to watch practice the other day. Like, do you think they can just like get Mike Dembrock to come on their podcast or their version of Dan Hord? Like, do they even know who they are? Yeah. So it it it's a, a lot of it is a credit to UCF also for allowing these relationships to be built by allowing us to go to practice and stand there and watch all of practice and talk to people and, you know, and understand that we're, we aren't, you know, protecting nuclear codes. We're just playing football.
0: Yeah, it is very cool. I I, sometimes I, we, we crossed pretty, uh, pretty convincingly over 1500 subs uh yesterday during the sale and i i know i talk about this at every milestone we hit man but like it's pretty cool to watch this thing from the inside being built and the work that we all put in and how much it means to all of us to to see it grow like it has and to become what it's become like i it, it blows me away it really does and that's a huge credit to, like you said, the access UC allows us to have the relationships we've been able to build. And I think the community and the connection with the fan base that we have, because it's, uh, it's very unique. Like I I got a call Thursday or not Thursday. Today's Thursday. I got a call yesterday from uh, somebody at CBS that was like, man, I don't know how you guys do it, but when we do these sales, you guys are right up there with the big boys. I know Wednesday was the, or Tuesday was the first day of the sale and we were fourth in the country. And <laughs> you know, it's a big deal when corporate calls and they're like, I don't know how you guys do it, but you're the only small site that ever punches sure. up. Hey, like you guys punch up. Yeah. Well, unfortunately it's <laughs> 75% off. We're not going to see any of that until no, next year. I know. <laughs>
2: but, but that kind of, it's like the thing is when you're, we're not an Ohio, you know, we're not an Ohio state. We're not a Alabama. We're not an, an Auburn, or, you know, a site like that. It's, it's very hard to grow if you don't, if you're not able to bring real value to your fans. And I think I, you know, I surf around a lot and see check out a lot of other sites and, and the sites that I would say are, similar to our size it's just not in comparison as far as message board traffic information coming from the quote-unquote owner contributor you know however many people they have it's like it's like a barren wasteland of of nothing so like when you're a smaller you know UC isn't this like fan base that has been you know, around for a hundred years and has national championships stacked on top of national championships that, you know, it's just a thing, you know, thing to be a UC Right. Team. So <laughs> you have to be able to give the people something. And, and thankfully we've been able to develop really good relationships where there's legitimate value to being a member. So, you know, and I think people, once they join, they realize that there, it really is worth it. I mean, you know, to be in a mem- in a group, and it's not even as much as like, yes, you want the people want the information. Why would you j- pay money to just like chat with other fans if there wasn't some sort of like info involved? And but being a part of a group that is so active is also a really big you know drawing point. I think because there's just nowhere else you can go. To, you know, get information and be in a community like we've developed at Bearcat Journal.
0: And all that's to say, thank you to everybody that's given us a shot uh, in these past couple days. And we will uh, continue to do what we do, which is bust ass and, and provide as much awesome content as we possibly can provide over the next year. And uh, it should be a hell of a year. Can we, be of that, can
2: we get to the damn season like this is the part of the year that I'm like, I just want to play a game I got I don't know what else I had to say like, the defense is really damn good and the offense has been pretty good too. like let's just play a damn game.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it was I'm not gonna lie. There was, a, uh, you know, I was supposed to do practice and then radio this afternoon and then come home and do this podcast. Uh, my alarm went off at seven 30. I had a text from five minutes earlier saying practice was moved to four 15. Uh, at that point it was either go to practice and see, and find somebody, see if they could find somebody to do radio or do radio and and not cover practice today. Uh, I, I, I called, they got James hot take Rapine to do radio for me and I was able to go out to practice and I was more than happy to, uh, lay back down for a few minutes because those last couple days of camp, boy, your body just does not want to get out of bed. <laughs> it does no. not want to get out of bed at 730, especially for somebody like me. That's a night owl, that is it's not very good at uh, mornings to begin with. I was, I was a little upset, but not nearly as upset as normal. When you get that, you know, Hey, we're changing your whole day. It was more like, Oh, that's okay. <laughs> I'm okay with it today. But I did. I did go to practice today. I don't know that I'm going to do a uh, a full recap tonight. So this podcast will probably have to uh, serve as the full recap tonight. Um, So uh, go over my notes real quick. The the opening today was two point conversions.
2: Oh, the opening. Got to practice those.
0: The uh, the opening for those that don't know determines what side of the field they warm up on the next day. Uh, The side that wins gets to host uh, stretches and warm-ups. It's just one of those small things that Luke Fickle does every day to create competition. Defense dominated two-point conversions today, uh, or at least dominated the first team in two-point conversions today. The the first team went 0 for 3. Second team went 2 for 3. Evan Prater.
2: Need better two-point
0: plays. Two-point. Evan Prater found uh, Trey Tucker and Blue Smith on a pair of two-point conversions in the opening today. So that was exciting. That um, sounds
2: very exciting. I'm really upset that I couldn't be there for that.
0: One of the plays was a uh, Majay Sanders SWAT at the line of scrimmage. I think we're also going to see a large number of those this year. Oh, we saw a large yeah. number last year. But when he kind of holds back and gets those arms up, Good luck getting it over yeah. it. Uh, I thought Todd Bumpus had a really strong practice today, running with the ones opposite sauce Gardner. Um, you know, we, we talked about him a lot at the beginning of camp, that he was, you know, one of the culprits of some of these young wide receivers starting to make a name for themselves. He has bounced back. I thought he had a really good day today. Uh, the running backs, especially they did a couple um, run game periods today where they were working on the run game. Saw good runs from Jerome Ford, from Ryan Montgomery, from Charles McClellan, from Ethan Wright. They each had, you know, at least two and a couple of them three uh, noticeable gains on the ground. So, a good day for the running backs and a good, game, a good day for the deep ball. Drew Donnelly with a couple long touchdown receptions, one from Evan Prater, one from uh, uh, Hoying got in the action today. Jacob Hoying who is Luke's nephew. Well,
2: hey, that's the second deep ball to the Hoyne to Donnelly connection.
0: Yeah. So keep an eye on that one. You you know, we talked a lot about, uh, about the, uh, the, the, the Jack Perry, uh, relationship with some of those guys he had built because he had thrown so many balls in the spring. Uh, but now we're, we're looking at Hoying to Donnelly. We're seeing that a, a pretty good amount. Um, does it pierce deep? Prater had a uh, dart to Trey Scott. Des hit Wyatt Fisher. Wyatt Fisher, with his name back in the action, for a 50-yard touchdown. Uh, He hit Lenny. Des hit Lenny for a 20-plus-yard pass. And uh, Prater had a good 25-yard touchdown run. Cole Smith missed from about 43, just a little bit wide left. DeBlanco had a sack uh prater found nate lawler for a touchdown in the red zone from the four yard line that's about it for my notes today all right <laughs> oh did i did i say joel de had a sack
2: i think so i think he did
0: okay wanted to make sure i got joel his credit in there yeah, we're, we're
2: to the point where we need to play somebody else because, uh, honestly, I don't care about anything you just said.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you what. The, the fun thing, normally, it takes until, it, like, by day seven or eight, like, I'm out of things to write about practice.
2: Because well, Normally, just, they're not this damn good, and, like, a, not right. that many guys are making big plays, whether it's offensively or defensively, but, like, we know the deal, like – can can the tack you know can the tackles hold up? Can can Jake Renfro stay healthy? If that's the case, the offense will be fine, and we know the defense is awesome. Like yeah,
0: we,
2: we can't it's just, just been... we can't just make up things to talk about. Like when right. you when you're coming off a ten and one season, and you pretty much bring all your good players back. Like what else is there to say?
0: When you surprisingly to, there's there's been way more than i thought we would have to say
2: right but that's because that's because there's like a lot of good players but it's at some point it's just take it's taken longer but at some point you're just like i mean you got two and a half weeks of practices you can only say the same stuff so many times
0: which i think we have done a good job of not saying the same thing i've tried i try hard that's what makes it difficult is i try hard to not just say the same crap over and over and over again. Well, they, I don't think that's interesting.
2: They've helped us by different yes. guys doing things. It's not been the same three or four guys on offense, three or four guys on defense, which has been nice. If that was the case, then we would have exhausted this a while ago. But I think we're <laughs> to, that
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: or to that point.
0: <laughs> yeah. Today was getting to the point. It was like, man, I don't even, I, I, I don't know about this and practice you know that report the the tonight. Scrimmage,
2: the scrimmage Saturday, two weeks before the first game, is not going to be some, you know, knockout, dragout scrimmage.
0: Yeah, I, I also be, would say. probably
2: going to be very situational, you know, working on things that you don't work on a ton in practice, but you need to work on them for the operations of a game, i.e. special teams, you know. How the hell you line up? We return kicks left, you return kicks right, you know, punk, different punk formations, different punk. Well no, they'll have
0: a situational scrimmage for that back at Nippert.
2: Oh, okay. I didn't know if that might be the gist no, I Saturday think Saturdays
0: they, they usually do they usually do two like legit scrimmages. And then the the they'll they'll usually end like camp or once they the first day they're back at Nippert with the situational scrimmage. But because school started earlier this year than it has in correlation to when the first game is, they have to come back to campus this weekend to start school on Monday. Uh, the school would not let them stay out at Camp Higher Ground for a couple additional days to uh, finish up camp the way that they normally would. But um, the other thing I wanted to say, everybody calmed down about guys being dinged up in camp.
2: It's, it's camp. What the hell do you think is going to happen? No one's going to twist an ankle or have a muscle strain or something.
0: And if it was serious, you'd know that there's something serious going on. I prompt, like, here's the thing Here's kind of the best way for you guys to judge this, especially to some of the new folks. We do not report injuries. So if we mention that a guy is like a little dinged up, it's nothing serious. Because if there was an injury, you know what we wouldn't be doing? Mentioning him, about it. him at all. Right. It wouldn't and we'd be, be talking up.
2: about their backup a lot. Right. <laughs> you know, if, if someone's name isn't mentioned for a week straight, it's probably not because they're not having a good week of practice.
0: Yeah. It's probably because they're not practicing. So if I say, like, you know, this guy was out today, like there's, there's at least – four guys I know that missed practice today that were probably close enough that if it was a game week, they would, they would be fine. Like th- there wouldn't even be a thought as to whether they would be practicing or not. So just, I know it's, it's, it's part of what fans do. Um, you, have to a vet, stress about you have a everything.
2: team two weeks, two plus weeks away from their first game.
0: With huge aspirations. The last Dude, thing you need. Dudes not
2: practicing at, right now is not a big deal.
0: Right. If like, we get to Miami week or, or even we're going into the bye and there's guys that we're not seeing, then there's a legit, you know, a legit reason to, to have some some concern.
2: Or if you were right relying now, on young guys, it'd be one thing. But, like, yeah. we're not.
0: So there's nothing to be stressed out about right now, injury-wise. Promise. Cross our fingers. yeah, fingers crossed. Like that's as of today. Like I didn't.
2: <laughs>
0: we know how that's notice. gone
2: in the past. Last practice of camp.
0: Yeah, that and that's that was a that was a worrisome camp because we went through that camp with almost no dings or nicks or bruises
2: yeah. two
0: years ago. Was that two, was when we came starters. out of that camp. We came out of that camp thinking, wow this team's healthy. Like almost everybody made it through without missing a practice. And then the last day of camp Wiggins tears his ACL. And the first day back on campus, McClellan tears his ACL. Yeah. You don't ever want them to be too healthy coming through camp because it's football injuries are coming. <laughs> yeah,
2: right. I did want, I did want to ask you about something that I've started to notice and it just kind of makes me laugh and it's not necessarily UC related, but, it is. So as the season's gotten closer, I've been, you know, kind of checking in on AAC teams. I mean, we know we I know Indiana and Notre Dame pretty well, so this is mainly like AAC teams. And it started in like the spring and now has really kind of ramped up is whether it's Articles or podcasts or whatnot, I keep hearing this whole notion of, well, this team has really, you know, they've really taken a step forward and, you know, you just don't know after last year because they didn't have a spring practice and they didn't have summer workouts and they've had all that stuff this year. And, you know, they've, they're really, they're stronger and they're this and they're that. And I just kind of have to, to laugh because like, UC didn't have those same things either. And, and outside of UCF and the conference championship game, they dog walked everybody and, and the Peach Bowl. They dog walked everybody up and down the field. So, like, if the team that kicked your butt last year without spring football and summer workouts, what do you think is going to happen this year? Yeah, and – It's like this built-in excuse that, like, but they don't think that other – like, the good teams didn't also go through those things.
0: Well, I mean, what I would say is, like, we've seen significant jumps from numerous players from spring football through camp. Right. So yeah, you might've gotten better. So did we, so, so did we like, uh, yeah, that that's not going to make the difference for you. (laughs) That's that's (laughs) like, I, 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 you know, I'm, And I'm sure it's all very
2: accurate, but like I was listening to the SMU podcast today and they're talking about how the offensive line is like much stronger and much more physical. And they just didn't have those opportunities last year because of no spring practice and no summer workouts. And I'm like, so like UC's defensive line is much stronger and much more physical too. Like. Like it's like they think that like they're gonna make these gains on the on UC because UC's what not doing these things. Yeah, the the foundation makes me laugh how they how the how the conversation kind of goes is like that's like an excuse on why they weren't good and yes, it plays a part in it, but like that was for everybody. So yeah, the teams that were in the playoff also didn't have those things. It didn't seem to matter.
0: Very true. Very true. I mean, I like we talked about with like with Prater, with the wide receivers, with with a lot of these younger guys, you've seen guys take a significant jump in camp this year and their, their, their physical stature and their, their ability on the field. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. If you think you made up that ground and that a developmental program like UC wasn't developing in that time, more power to you, more power to you. Well,
2: that's why, that's why I'm like, so like, I'm trying not to be naive about it. Like, I just think they're really, really good. And especially in the conferences, like, look at the teams that are supposed to be competing with them. They're either, They either have a new coaching staff or they have a new quarterback. Yeah. UC has a coach going into his fifth year and a quarterback going into his fifth year. That has, I mean, I'd like, I'd actually like to do this. And outside of Dylan Gabriel has Des Ritter won more games than every quarterback in the AAC combined. Every, every quarterback that's going to start this year in the conference outside of Dylan Gabriel, has he won more games than everybody else combined?
0: Mark, you love stuff like this. Get us an answer, Mark.
2: I mean, I'll just quickly go Preston Stone, Tanner Mordecai, this and you, neither one of them has won a game. Whoever Tulsa's quarterback is, has maybe won a game or two. Uh, Tulane's quarterback was a freshman last year, so I think they won six or seven games. Navy's quarterback, I don't know if he's the returning guy, but they only won a couple games last year. So say that's what, you know, say he won two of them. Uh, Clayton Toon has won a decent amount. Uh, Holt Nailers has won maybe double digits. This is that would be really close. And I still might say that Dez has won more. Memphis's quarterback. It's- uh, if it's Grant Gunnell, he he started one year at Arizona, he maybe won five or six games. Like it's quarterback, it it's quarterback and coach. And yeah. the team that was the best team in the league last year has by far the most stable quarterback coach combination.
0: Well, and, and the other thing I was thinking about this today, like in modern football, there's four things, right? Coach, quarterback pass rusher lockdown corner and like those are the four biggest entities in football right now, right?
2: Yeah, I would say like elite offensive tackle, but
0: yeah. Yeah, that would probably be fifth on the list. I would have that fifth. Maybe maybe fourth ahead of lockdown corner.
2: Yeah, I mean, if you just if you just look at it like from a draft perspective, your best tackle will Nine times out of ten, go ahead of your best corner. Yeah. Like, that's like, fair. Just look next year. Evan Neal from Alabama will go before Derek Stingley.
0: Like, oh, yeah. Stingley might be generational.
2: No, uh, Evan Neal is generational. Okay. Do you want to hear some crazy shit about Evan Neal? Sure. So, he was number one on Bruce Feldman's freaks list. Mm-hmm. Six five. 340. They timed him in at eight. He at running 18 and a half miles an hour. He has a 30 fast 30 something inch vertical, and he they put you know the, when they jump up on the boxes. Yeah, he did the splits on 42 inch boxes. Jumped up one leg on one box, one leg on the other. 42. I've inches. seen that video. That dude is, like, okay. unless there's a quarterback, he's the, he's the number one, like, the number one, number two pick. So they have four of the five. Yeah, but, but like, yes, like you're saying, like, especially in, in college football, like, I think you can get away in college football with not an elite offensive line way easier than you can get away with not an elite defensive line. Like, if you don't have a good defensive line, you're, you're going to get your doors blown off. In college. Yeah. I mean, you do in the NFL too, but like, like the teams in the playoff last year, like Oklahoma doesn't like, they have good offensive line. They have good offensive line, not to say they made the playoff, but like, you know, Iowa State had a really good team last year. North Carolina had a really good team last year. UC had a really good team last year. Like they didn't have like elite offensive lines. They had really good defenses. North Carolina had a really
0: good quarterback. UC had for college high, high end tackle play. Yeah. But the interior was a work in progress for a large portion of the season. For sure. That's fair.
2: Yeah. I just, I think there's a huge gap in the conference. Like, I, I don't, I'm not, we're, you know, we'll have the season preview podcast the week of the, Miami game so i'm not going to get into like that but i think there's a, I think there's a two-game gap between uc and whoever they play in the championship game
0: because you expect uc to go undefeated and you expect whoever's there i can't the see team.
2: i can't see whoever else goes to the championship game only losing one game in conference
0: houston's interesting because they don't play since the central florida or cincinnati right
2: yeah but I don't know. Yeah, but they still have to play
0: SMU, Memphis,
2: SMU, Tulsa, and Memphis, and Navy. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, but at least those four for sure, I think. Um, but yeah, I just we'll get into that much deeper. But I just thought that was interesting. Like you just keep hearing this more and more from like your middle of the road to back end teams, like that they missed out on all this stuff and that's why they had a rough year, which. Yeah, sure. That, that I'm sure that played a big part in it, but like the good teams also missed out on that stuff too.
0: Very true. I'm about good, you? I'm ready to take the rest of the night and chill and have somewhat of a day off tomorrow. I, I I'm I'm spent, man. Yeah. I'm spent. I
2: mean, I mean, like I said, uh, I'm just ready like for a game. <clears throat>
0: I think we'll. I think we'll get to a couple practices next week, and then the following week we'll get into our uh, in-season rotation, which is Tuesday practices. We'll get to see, and then uh, hopefully we'll have our uh, luncheon with Luke every Tuesday resume on campus. So we're close. We're not there yet, but we're uh, we're getting close. David, did you see the guy that just sent? Did he send it to you?
2: What's that?
0: The gif of Luke
2: in high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'll (laughs) retweet that out. It took six of them to get him in the tub yesterday. And he wasn't fighting it.
2: What a strapping young man.
0: He wasn't... If he didn't want to go in that tub... Here's the funny part, the backstory to that. He stood... So last year was the only year they didn't throw him in the tub on his birthday, just with everything going on every, you know, but the three previous camp higher grounds, they have, they have given him a bath in the cold tub on his birthday every year. He knew if he came over there, it was going to happen. So he tried to wait it out he stood with, there were scouts from uh, the Falcons and the lions, I think yesterday, Yeah. No, Falcons and Broncos. He stood with the scouts from those two franchises for a good 25 minutes. Hoping that the players would give up and just like, you know, disperse and leave him alone. And after 25 minutes, it became pretty evident that there was like (laughs) 10 of them that weren't that weren't giving up the, the 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 mission. So they're he walked re- over really there, really soaking
2: up the cold tub time. You know, waiting for yeah. him.
0: Yeah, and so he walks over there, and then you see him like vultures start circling behind him, and he looks and he's like, "Look, just let's get it, let's get it over with." It still took six of them to get him in the tub, and if he wanted to, he could have one by one taken all of them out. Just like let me, me take my,
2: them. let me get my phone out of my pocket, and you guys can throw me in there.
0: I don't think he has his phone on the field during practice. No? I had to guess. I don't think so.
2: I wouldn't think so either. Would, you, just, you never know.
0: I would guess that would annoy him to yeah. have his phone dangling in his pocket as he's out there during practice. But, yeah. Go go check my Twitter feed. I just retweeted Luke pinning some sorry sap Edmonds from Hoban and Akron in 56 seconds.
2: So ne- next week we will have Anthony DeFino on. Yes. We'll fire him some questions about game day stuff, which in talking to him, he he's very excited for, since he has not had a, experience game day yet at Nippert. Right. <laughs> so, you yeah, know, some of the things he's, you know, he's he was flying, he's flying a little blind on, but, uh, you know, we'll get an update on, Obviously, you know, what needs to happen COVID related, we'll get an update on if there's new food and beverage options, if there's any new concession stand type things, yeah. You know. Are you going to
0: open it up for uh fan questions or is this one are you going to handle no, the the, the questioning?
2: Not opening up to fan
0: questions. Okay. We, we've got Well, enough. last time you did, I did. This time is more specific, so I didn't know if that, that was That was the last time. Yeah. <laughs> All
2: right. I well, will try to, uh, we will try to get out of him their plans for conference realignment and also who they are scheduling for home and home in 2024,
0: 2025. I think it was Monday. It might have been Tuesday. They all I had, I
2: have a list of the teams that have availability currently, but that list is has since diminished thanks to the SEC.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't think we're going to get anything out of them as it, it just, uh, <laughs> it was either Monday, I think it was Tuesday. Uh, the, the media have all been, have been dining at higher ground this year, uh, after practice for lunch. And it was me, Justin Williams and Keith Jenkins from the Enquirer, all, uh, sitting at a table, uh, getting ready to, to start our lunch. And John Cunningham was there. They had a donor event uh at practice that morning. It was Tuesday, I think. And uh he starts to walk over and he gets ready to sit his plate down. And he feels he's like, I feel like this is this is a trap. That, a bad idea. <laughs> I feel like this is a trap. So he sits down and and you know, it, it, we're taking it easy on him. And and Justin says something along the lines of been uh, been pretty busy lately. And uh he's like, Yeah, a lot of meetings, a lot of talking. And I was like, so, uh, what you guys been talking about? <laughs> you had any good barbecue lately, John? <laughs> what
2: have you guys been talking about? Up on the been, uh, eighth floor of the Linden Center. Haven't, had, by chance, been to the Salt Lick? <laughs> or,
0: or Franklin's, have you? <laughs> he, uh, he declined to answer that inquiry. I will say, though, to
2: to our fans, and obviously we have some new members, uh, thanks to the sale. This is not anything that we've ever experienced with the university. Anthony, if you have a question, if you have a comment, if you have a suggestion, in a professional and courteous manner, I cannot endorse enough emailing it to him. Because he will respond. And he will and if, respond in a pretty timely manner.
0: And if so, it's not timely enough, he'll apologize.
2: Like, I know we've talked in the past about, like, we feel like there's a disconnect, and some people feel like their voice isn't heard. And I can promise you, if it's not some just rant or some ridiculous critique you have, they will get. he will get back to you. And he will take your thought into consideration. And nine times out of 10, he probably won't do what you're asking him to do. But, you know, you can only start from somewhere of having someone to reach out to and and feel confident that your, your email is not just being looked at by some secretary and then deleted because they don't want to send it off to the person that you know would actually have an answer to your question so i can't thank him enough for answering some questions that i've had on behalf of members and then being able to relay that information back to the message board um and i have i'll have more stuff that has come up since the last time we talked so you know if you if you have stuff for him i know he is willing to read the emails and probably get back to you.
0: So looking forward to having Anthony next week. That's a hell of a three week run. Jim Kelly, Dan Horde, Anthony DeFino, and then you and I with our season prediction podcast.
2: Do we get a guest for that
0: or do we just, just the eh, two of us? I think people want the two of us on that one. Yeah, we haven't had we haven't had Justin in a while. Maybe we'll bug him.
2: I had act, that's who I had thought about today.
0: Maybe we'll Maybe. see. We'll see. All I right. Mean, well,
2: we are. I mean, I already know. I mean, this I've been locked and loaded for that baby for five since whatever January second. Right. And I ain't changing my mind. So, although last time. You might want to go eleven and one, <laughs> know, just I in case. I actually thought about that the other day. I said to myself, like, maybe you should just say eleven and one, because the last time you said twelve and zero, the
0: then, bottom fell out of this bitch. I'm
2: I'm not uh, I'm not seeing that. So I don't, I'm not either,
0: but that could be bad juju. You know. and twelve and zero. I don't know. I I nailed it. I nailed it last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but that wasn't twelve. Yeah,
2: but I mean, it's co—it was COVID. That makes it even harder.
0: That's what she <laughs> said.
2: <laughs> you disgusting! My mother listens to this podcast. Hi, mom. <laughs> I was talking about COVID. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so Uh, yeah, (laughs) it'll it'll be, it's all the the preseason one's always, always a fun one. And then we get into our weekly game podcast where we try to figure out how the other team's going to score more than 21 points.
0: Yeah. Oh, by the way, we've had lunch at higher ground, dinner at higher ground. It hasn't really been a thing because we're not there at night. And when we do do night practices, they don't get over until like 10 o'clock. So it's like snack time instead of dinner time. Dinner's a whole different deal, bro. Oh, I'm
2: sure it is.
0: They had they had Indiana fried chicken.
2: What is it? What is Indiana fried chicken?
0: It was um. It was very peppery. It was How fried chicken different
2: than anybody in any other state's fried
0: chicken. It was. It wasn't like. Uh, it wasn't super crispy. But it had a good breading on it and so it was very it like
2: big. uh is it more like a roasted chicken
0: i mean it was fried but it wasn't like it didn't look like it was like heavily floured you like, know what i mean yeah like
2: not this huge batter that like right you know, yeah i know exactly what you mean it's more of just like uh when you do chicken wings and you like put just a put little a light bit, yeah right so it's not it's not like a, a hooter's wing that's like covered in
0: batter. There was more pepper in the batter than there was flour. It was very peppery. I can get behind that. It was very good. They had fried catfish fillets. That was like, it was really good catfish. They had ears of corn that they had just gotten from a uh, local farmer that morning. I love corn on the cob. And then, um, Mashed potatoes, homemade mashed potatoes with a a white gravy. And then for dinner, for dessert, normally for lunch, they just have like a pan of like, they have these like Bearcat bars. Yeah, like peanut butter and chocolate. The day
2: that I was there, it was the Bearcat bars. Well, tonight on higher ground, they had these big like strawberry shortcake,
0: like. Yeah, things. that's the difference about dessert at on dinner. Let it, Let it Fly, it was
2: like they were showing the food, and there was like...
0: Dessert at dinner, they have like three huge tables full of like... I, they had uh, ice cream cake with like Oreos, like cookies and cream, ice cream cake. They had these dessert bars that were like chocolate and cream. Uh, they had strawberry shortcake. Oh, dinner was a different deal, brother. It was I walked I walked like actually it takes about 45 minutes for me to drive home from higher ground. I got home. I got situated. Uh, I texted with Dan to make sure that he was at his hotel and set up. I sent him the link. And by the time I finally sat down, like it finally hit me, I'm stuffed like, oh, <laughs> I ate weights. I had a, a large fried Indiana fried chicken breast. I had a big piece of catfish. I had mashed potatoes. I had corn on the cob. I had the uh, cookies and cream, ice cream cake. Like now I get lunch. I didn't get the whole, like you gain 30 pounds coming out here. Cause it's usually like a sandwich and a pasta and like fries or curly yeah. fries or potato skins. Like it's a lunch, right? You don't walk out of lunch. Like, ugh. I'm so full. Dinner was dinner was a different deal. Do you think they have totally. like a,
2: an omelet station for breakfast?
0: I know that it's like a giant breakfast bar, so I don't think they yeah. have an omelet station, but I think it's just like giant pans of eggs and right. bacon and sausage and. That's what
2: we, we need—like a donor to step up and have like a carving station for dinner, like an yeah. omelet, omelet station for breakfast. That could, you know, when, when we, when bearhead Journal really hits it big, we'll, we'll step up with the, with the food since, since we were it's kind of our of, thing, couple of Husky fellows.
0: <coughs> we're just as much about food as we are <laughs> coverage. It's like our number two thing coverage, then food and then alcohol below that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the three things that we try to do well here. Have you Sorry. still not had a beer? No, I haven't. Why? Just try it. One because I just haven't really like. If I have beer, I'm gonna like have beer, and I've just been so busy and I have you need to, get to have up in the one morning. to find out if it makes you throw up. Well, yeah, but then I like I won't feel good the rest of the night and I you won't don't know get that. To sleep. You haven't had one, so I might try one Saturday night because we're we don't have anything Sunday. We should get done with the scrimmage. I should be home at like four or five o'clock so I could have dinner. And then start getting the content ready for uh, the 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 scrimmage, and maybe I'll try to have a beer Saturday night. I still have not. I just one it, time has not been on my side uh, the past couple of weeks to give it a try, but it, it still hasn't happened.
2: Well, I hope it I hope it worked out for you because if that was me, when that'd be
0: that'd be rough. Again, I'm just afraid of what happens if I have one and get sick again. That's like, I, I know that's, that's, it's, it's the end of the road as boys to men would say. I, I
2: don't, I don't think you're going to, I think you'll be fine. My, that's my professional doctor, you know, opinion.
0: Did you stay at a holiday and express? Like no, that? but
2: I went to college for about as many years as it takes to be a doctor.
0: Yeah, but you weren't 40 plus years old in college. No. So you don't know how 40 plus year old bodies react. (laughs) I don't know. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Hopefully by this time next week, I can give you an answer that I had beer and it was, it was fine.
2: Do you just start with like non-alcoholic beer?
0: Maybe. I don't know. that that. No, no. Why would I do that? What if you can only have non alcoholic beer? Then I just wouldn't drink beer anymore. I, I know. I've, i I, yeah. See, the, the, the difference is I've just, I can still have bourbon.
2: Right. There's, there's other
0: options. Yeah. I, I am not limited to one option. So I don't need to you resort to the you know non alcoholic.
2: I'm very, very excited for, since we're, we've gone off topic big time. What's that? Uh, hard Mountain Dew.
0: Is that a thing?
2: It is. The Boston Beer Company is making hard nine percent Mountain Dew.
0: Like malt liquor type Mountain Dew. Yeah, like Mountain Dew with booze in it. Yeah, but like, like you know, like there's there's these like uh, what Hornitos and High Noon. Yeah, like Hornitos makes actual like you know drinks with real tequila. Yeah, like the
2: High Noons had vodka in them. And they're not like right. you know, seltzers or, what, you know.
0: Right. So is it going to be Mountain Dew with, hot, like, actual hard liquor? Or is it going to be like... Well, I think
2: it's malt because it's Boston Beer Company. So I think it's like a, you know, like a, uh, a, malt. Like a malt.
0: Like a yeah, a malt liquor yeah. type deal. But yes. Very, I had my earphones in wrong the entire show. I just very, noticed that. very
2: excited about that.
0: Maybe I can have that. I'm a, I'm a fan of Mountain Dew on occasion. Uh,
2: I'm a big, I'm, I'm a big fan. Maybe too big of a fan.
0: <laughs> like I'll, I'll go out of my way at times to have Skyline and Taco Bell because those places oh, both have great fountain dew. It's like yeah,
2: Mountain Dew at Skyline and Taco Bell, Diet Coke at McDonald's.
0: <clears throat> I go either regular Coke at McDonald's or, or majority of the time, sweet tea. Although I will say McDonald's has the best Sprite. I somebody just dis- yeah. somebody I'm, I'm, described the the Sprite at McDonald's years ago as spicy, and I think it's right. Like it's got it's like spicy kind of. Like it hits you different. The the Sprite at McDonald's.
2: Oh, the, um, for sure. Like there's definitely the way that the different. I don't know how that how they do it. Like there's different. Like to me, I'm a Diet Coke guy. Like I can't drink regular Coke, but like. Diet Coke at McDonald's compared to Diet Coke anywhere else, just yeah. it just doesn't
0: taste the same. Yeah. Same with Coke.
2: Yeah, it's it's totally different. But but yeah, I'm I'm got to have the Mountain Dew with the Conies or or the Taco Bell. Yeah.
0: The funny thing is, like I also do. You know, I grew up in Northern Kentucky. I grew up on Dixie Chili. Dixie Chili, I have to have Coke. And Skyline, I I have to have Mountain Dew. Yeah. Well,
2: because it's weird how your
0: brain nobody you just,
2: I mean, nobody likes Pepsi. Let's be real.
0: No, no, I, and, and I, I, I couldn't tell you the last diet, time. diet Pepsi. That's just
2: appalling.
0: Either I couldn't tell you the last time I've had a Pepsi, like maybe a decade since oh. I've had a Pepsi. My, my mom
2: is the person that when like you're at the restaurant and they're like, I'll have a Diet Coke and they go, Is Diet Pepsi okay? She goes, No,
0: no. It's not. It's not, it's not like, okay. Not okay. I'll have, a mount, I'll have a Mountain Dew. Like, I'll have not, a Mountain Dew. Thank you not very okay. much.
2: <laughs> so, but yeah. In
0: the same way. Coke. We have Pepsi. I'll have a Mountain Dew. Yeah. All right. We've gone off the rails enough. That's all right. Yeah. No, I mean, you need this sometimes at the end of the pot. We were very UC-centric the last, like, show and three quarters. That's right. So we needed to do we have mix any do we have bit. any
2: basketball? Anything basketball to
0: this uh, I don't want to leave out our the the Miami uh, thing, the Miami mess. thing. Oh yeah, I don't even less trips to Talawanda, not more. Well, here's the thing. <laughs> the way that the scheduling has been done in the past, there was always an extra home and home in there. And they didn't they didn't they weren't looking to add another high major home and home at, at this point for this season. So they had to schedule one. So they scheduled Miami because it's just an easy up and back and Miami will be here next year. So it's a, it's a one-time home and home. I don't think anybody likes it, but. But that's it's not, just,
2: yeah, it's not a huge deal. It's an easy deal. Like, right. Yeah, no, I'm I'm kidding on like my my beef is much more football. I don't I mean there's 30 basketball games. If they want to play Miami every year in basketball, play Miami. Like I don't care about that.
0: Like and they're not playing Miami every year. Right. I promise. So, it's a, it's yeah. a one one series, one home and home type deal. I wouldn't stress too much about it if How, I were or anybody.
2: Two two questions. How awesome is it that Rasheed Wallace is on Memphis's coaching staff? oh don't lie and two how how many extra bennies are Jalen durden and Amani bates getting
0: to to go there i'm I'm guessing it's it's i'm guessing it's more than six figures
2: well I, i mean i don't know if this is true or if you saw it like supposedly durden turned down like $2 million contract with yeah. whatever the other, not, Over the, time G, not the G Over League. Overtime Elite. With, yeah.
0: Yeah. It's in the seven <laughs> figures. It's in the seven figures, dude. There's no question about that. Hey. Go. I don't think there's any question.
2: Go for it, man. Whatever.
0: Yeah, get your money, son. I ain't mad at him. No. It's still going to be funny I with mad it there's going to be a lot of eyes on the American Athletic Conference this year. as for show.
2: Are they both in – will they both be in this year?
0: Yeah. They're, they're both reclassifying.
2: Reclassified.
0: Yep. Yep, yep. They're both reclassifying. They'll both be at Memphis. I mean, I guess Amani hasn't committed yet. His official yeah, he's
2: is – he's, <laughs> he's either going to Memphis or Oregon. <laughs> so, y- you read the tea leaves, people. Right. If, if um, Auburn Al- and Baylor were in there, then it'd be like the you know the most obvious thing ever. But now it's only
0: kind of obvious. I'm just waiting for Oregon to really start like pushing. Oh, you signed with you you committed to Oregon. Here's your 1.5 million dollar NIL deal with Nike.
2: Yeah. Would you like your own <sighs> shoes, son? Right. You can play for Penny. Or you can have your own pennies.
0: Right. Right. I'm waiting for that to hit. It ain't far off. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, I'll tell you that ain't far off. I'll tell you that much. Uh,
2: Any visits yet lined up for the Miami game? Yes. Yes. All right. So stay tuned.
0: Yes. (laughs) There's. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a big weekend on campus. I, I thought I would have more to say today, but I I don't. Soon, I'll have more to say soon. The game. I was in, hoping the it was game's
2: in in two weeks.
0: Yeah, uh, I was yeah. hoping it was it was something that was all going to be uh, ready for public consumption by today, uh, but it wasn't. So soon. That's what I got for now on basketball. All right. So. All right, buddy. Let's get out of here. My wife's on the phone with my brother behind me, and I don't know how much of that you can hear on this podcast. So, no, uh, she said if she said anything incriminating, I don't have anything heard to do it. With I haven't it.
2: heard anything. So,
0: okay, good. He's Day Simone. Oh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. If you're uh, a student, if you're on UC's campus, or if you're a fan and you want to get a chance to uh, say hi to West Miller and the team. They will be all at Neos in Clifton Uh, tomorrow night. uh, They've got a couple DJs. They've got a party tent set up outside uh, for, you know, safety uh, purposes. So it's a a welcome back party for students. It's a welcome West Miller party for fans. The basketball team is going to be stopping by. Uh, So if you want Friday night, Neos in Clifton starts around seven, eight o'clock. So stop by. Check it out. Uh, I, I meant to get that in earlier, but uh, I know you're all still listening after 25 minutes of us rambling about fountain Mountain Dew and <laughs> spiked Mountain Dew and all that other good stuff. So if you've listened this far, you owe it to yourself. Get to Mio's. Maybe get there a little early, get some dinner, and then hang out for the uh, welcome back party for students and the welcome party for uh, West Miller and the UC basketball team. That's going to wrap it up. He's Dave Simone. I'm Chad Brendel. It's the Holy Grail BCJ podcast right here on BearingCutJournal.com.